0: Happy Tuesday, everyone. Here we are with episode number 107 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. I was trying to to get the live stream up on my phone before we went live, but it didn't work that way. So here we are. So that's that's the joys of doing it live. Whatever pops up, you just have to roll with the punches. But uh, we're going to talk today about just stopping and looking around. All right, stopping and looking around—you'll be surprised what you can find when you just stop the hustle and bustle of everyday life and just look around. So, uh, have a guest on. We're gonna dive right into this topic, but first, we gotta talk about me. How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. The value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. That's where you have to eliminate the excuses. You got to make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. All right. So who would have thought, I started this a year ago in March when they shut shut my gym down. And so this is episode 107, being heard in 22 different countries. And I'm going to be on a, a focus group panel on a national television show, taping this Thursday. And who would have thought, like I started this with my cell phone, <laughs> just because I needed something to do to pass the time by with the gym. And now I even have a second show. So if you weren't able to catch yesterday's show, go to WeBuyToGetDeep.com. That will bring you directly to the YouTube page. It was myself, my daughter, and three other panelists. And the topic was is social media destroying human interaction. I think we had a pretty deep conversation. You had We had a, a gentleman who was 68 years old, me, I'm pushing 47 There was a couple 20-somethings and a teenager. So we actually had a really good mix of opinions on this, and it was a really solid episode. So if uh, you like that kind of stuff, please tune in, check it out. And that show was on Mondays at 11 a.m. Next week, we'll be discussing about intelligence. It is – I got to look. There it is. Is is grade point average an accurate assessment of one's intelligence? Okay, so that's going to be next Monday's. Topic. So, I have another group of panelists and we'll be diving into that. So, that brings us to today. So, I was a restaurant manager for a long time, as most of you guys know. And when you're in that type of environment, like restaurant, retail, just anything that where you, you're you just on that grind all day long, like landscapers, lab- laborers, where you're working sun up to sundown, while you're in the midst of that fire, there's a whole bunch of amazing shit going on in the world that you just miss. You know, it's just a fact. You know, I would say sorry about about the language, but damn it, that's how I felt it. So that's how I said it. And so my guest, he created a podcast around his experiences. And we're going to bring him on. But first, who is he? So he is first and foremost a storyteller with a sincere love and appreciation for history, travel, and the art of, I should have Googled this word first. A raconteurship? Okay, so you're going to have to explain to us what that is, because I don't know what that means. (laughs) He is now honored to return to Texas for the first season of Vanishing Postcards, an ambitious project that represents a synthesis of these passions through the form of audio essay. And welcome to the show to explain what all that means, Evan Stern.
1: Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: My pleasure, thanks for taking the time to come and share your your story and experiences with us. appreciate it
1: indeed so yes yeah, so uh so so I'm talking today from uh New York City, so in case you hear some sirens in the background or whatever, that's just kind of <laughs> the way of things up here i've I've yeah. lived in New York for a very long time, but uh, I am one of a proud few as well who can claim to be from the beautiful city of uh, Austin, Texas. So I am bicultural. I am a Texas New Yorker. So I like to think <laughs> that I, uh, I straddle the, the best of both worlds. But the um, the reason for my move up here to New York was pretty simple. Um, I, I'm an actor. Growing up, I always knew that I wanted to pursue a career in performance. And it seemed like New York was going to be the place to go for that. So yes. I came up here for school. Um, and um, I, I kind of stayed here in the city. Um, and, um, so you were asking what, uh, raconteurship, uh, is just a second ago. So if you've yeah. ever heard, you know, the expression of raconteur, that's a storyteller. It's someone who, okay. you know, just kind of likes to tell, tell stories. There's nothing fancy about it. You know, a, a great raconteur can be someone at a bar, at a pub. Um, you know, it can be someone who gives a good toast, um, at a wedding. Um, and I feel like I grew up around a lot of good, uh, storytellers. You know, Texas people, they they tell good stories. I come from a good Texas family, a little bit of Irish blood in there too. You throw in some alcohol in the mix and, you know, people just start <laughs> kind of cutting loose. So it was something that I grew up around. And um, when I moved to the city after college, I realized pretty early on that no doors were going to open up to me. And I had to do something on my own if I was going to get any attention whatsoever. Yeah. And so, you know, I initially thought to myself, well, man, let me let me write a one-man show. Then I realized very quickly that in order to write a good, solid piece of writing that I myself would be interested in sitting through, it was going to take way longer than, you know, I was going to have the patience to to do. And I thought to myself, okay, well, Cabaret, you know, the, the, the songs are there, the history's there, the stories are there. Let me see what I can do. Um, and, um, you know, you, you uh, cabaret, that's another word. You, you say that to people, a lot of times they don't know what it means. I think it's problematic that a lot of strip clubs like call themselves cabarets as well. Oh, yeah. So basically, you know, like a cabaret show, um, it's a, an evening of songs and stories. And so I put together a show that focused on the songs of World War II. And I basically told the story of World War II um, through the popular songs of the day, incorporated with some research letters, personal memory stories of my grandparents, Um, I was very fortunate. Um, I got a lot of good press out of that and it really kind of opened up doors for me in the concert and cabaret world, which honestly, um, isn't something that I initially saw myself pursuing. You know, I was going to be a serious, serious actor, but, you know, since then I've had the honor. I've performed on a lot of great stages here in the city. I've performed as a soloist at uh, Carnegie hall. I performed a solo show at Lincoln center. Um, and, um, you know, it's been an incredibly rewarding journey, but my, um, my my current endeavor uh, that uh, I'm working on that you mentioned uh, is my podcast uh, "Vanishing Postcards." Right. Let, and had you let me, stop here. let me stop you mm-hmm. right, right there.
0: Get, you're getting ahead of me. Getting, okay. All right. Of me. No all right. No problem so, at all. Mm-hmm. So let's so, so let's back up a little. So first, how would you describe yourself?
1: How would I describe myself? Yes. I mean, uh, okay.
0: Like I, you, weren't,
1: I, you weren't expecting we, that one. Let, 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 let's get a bit more specific. We, we got to get a little bit more specific than that.
0: Like if, if I Google Evan Stern, like mm-hmm. what stands out about you?
1: I'm an old soul. I'm, yeah, I, I, I absolutely am an old soul is, is what I'd say. I've always been drawn to – people kind of ask, I, you know, growing up, had, had you like pulled out my CD collection in high school? You know, yeah. you wouldn't have seen Nirvana. You wouldn't mm. have seen like any of the, you know, the, the top 40, what was really popular growing up. I mean, you would have seen stuff from I'm talking the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. Mm. Uh, that is what I, I I have always been drawn to. Um, and it, people sometimes ask me where that comes from. I mean, I think some of it was that I grew up in a very casual city in a very casual age. and And there was something about the formality of that that spoke to me. Um, at the same time, I know growing up, um, you know, riding around in my the backseat of my grandmother's car, she was always listening to you know the big band music of the 1940s, and I think to the ears of a child, um, there's actually something that's very comforting about that music. You know, you think about when that uh, music and art was created; it was a the world was in a horrible, horrible place, but it's be- wonderfully comforting, and so that is something that is is always. You know with me um i i love I love history um I love exploring history um and um you know there there's a part of me that uh you know i that, that yearns to uh, would would love love nothing more than the chance to go back in time and experience and see uh what stuff really was like back in the day
0: i I've, I've always said that too I tell my kids that all all the time that like if you you could go to any place in time, where would it be and I was like the very beginning. It's like that. That's what I want to say. I want to see the very, very beginning. <laughs> see exactly how we got here and why. You know. Mm-hmm. So, 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 what, what jump started your love of history? Like, is it something just from a child, or just going through through school? Did it grow on you? Just like, where did it come from?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just as as I said. I mean, I don't know if I can pinpoint. I, I don't think that there was like a moment that I remember discovering history. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember there's, there is something, you know, that's just, uh, you know, it, it, it captures your, a child's imagination. You know, when you're a kid, you love to, to play, play pretend, you know, yeah. what, what American kid hasn't played cowboys and Indians yeah. or, or something, something <laughs> like true. that. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's just really something that's stuck with me for, for my whole life. You know, my dad is is something of an amateur historian. I mean, he's he's much more into it from like the, you know, a very kind of scholarly perspective. Mm. um i'm not I'm not as interested in that. you know, it, it's like yeah. there there are people who are really drawn to, you know, talking about historical events and the political figures of the days. What I'm into is cultural history. Yes. You know that's that's the kind of history that speaks to me and I'm drawn to that I want to learn the most about I want to know what people were eating drinking listening to dancing to talking about that that's what's that's what's always you know I've always been drawn to,
0: yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent like I'm fascinated how other other cultures. People from other cultures, just how they live, you know, even the foods they eat, the music they they listen to, and even doing this podcast, I've had people on from all over the world, and everyone has like the same theme, you know, like everyone wants to be happy, everybody wants to be successful, like no matter where you live. I had people Australia, India, Thailand, Mexico, Canada, you know, they all they all say say the same thing, but but the thing that that fascinates me about history, when my son, I believe he was in eighth grade, my oldest son. And they needed a chaperone for a field trip to a, a local, local museum in Providence. And so I had the time. So I was like, you know what? I'll go. Like, like I have five kids. So to be around a whole bunch of other kids is not always my cup of tea because I'm around kids all the time. Right? So it's like my kids are older now. But back then, they were still really little. Mm. You know, and they were quite the handful. But going into this museum, I was blown away by the works of art that were done before modern day power tools. So I'm talking this like like this 18th century bathtub that was just so beautifully crafted with like animals and just the fine details. And and it was made with a hammer and a chisel. I was like, that's insane. Mm -hmm. No, like, do you like stuff like that as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. 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 But, I mean, interestingly enough, though, I mean, I don't know how often the museum experience really speaks to me. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, oftentimes, you know, you'll go there and it's, um, you know, museums are beautiful and important and, and we need them. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, often it, it isn't, I, I kind of get more out of seeing like a theatrical production of an old play maybe mm. than going to see like objects that are on display yeah. um, at, at a museum, because I think that there can be kind of a, di- there is so- something of a level of distance between, you know, the the patron and the art in in those yeah. circumstances. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I love the sensory experience of, of a concert, you know, nice. a concert of old music, uh, you know, old plays that that's kind of what, uh, that, that's the kind of work that I respond to the most, I think
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like because like I'm a storyteller also and I like I just like the backstories and everything so where where I live I live in Cranston but I'm right next to Providence and so there's a one of our one of our major parks here is Roger Williams Park Zoo and there's all kinds of historical artifacts through there and I love walking through and just stopping and just reading about Every little thing because I cause I love all the backstory. So we have our temple of music and it's like, ooh, who built this? Like why why was this built? you know, like I just want all those other those other whys, you know. But like um I like the all the plays and the musicals and, and that that stuff too. Like fascinated by all oh, that. There's anything that just has a why was this started thing. It just mm-hmm. lights up the soul. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right, so so take so take me through. Your childhood. So
1: like, what was your first childhood dream? My first childhood dream. Hmm. I honestly don't know if I can, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can remember, but I I will say that I I was a born performer. Absolutely. I was such an extroverted child. I, you know, I wanted to be you know, the center of attention, you know, less so today, but when, you know, we're talking like, you know, three, four-year-old me, I was a total showboat to the (laughs) point that my dad actually built a a platform in the backyard that I could use as a stage, as a place to direct all of my energy. Um, And, you know, they'll tell you I was, I was a good kid. You know, it wasn't like I was hyperactive or anything, but it was just like, I needed a place to put that energy. So, so my dad did that for me. And um, so, you know, getting in front of people—that was that—that was an early dream of mine. Definitely, yes. I mean, Love it. you know,
0: it's—it's <laughs> it, it's funny too. I'd say out of all the people I've had on this show, I—I I, say probably sixty percent of them, when I ask that question, is some like singer, actor, performer. Is this mm-hmm. one of those things? And I'm right. I'm right in it too. Like I've always wanted to be on TV, and then even now, I'm trying to use all of these shows. Like my ultimate goal is, I like, I want to be a talk show host. You know, it's like my kids are older now. Like I'm, I'm close enough to to the Boston area. You know, Providence. You know, like Worcester, Fall River. Like there, there's enough metro areas that, like, I got to be able to snag one. <laughs> you know, then that that'll just make that whole thing come full circle. You know, so so when did you start really pursuing music and performing and that type of stuff?
1: I mean I started pursuing acting in, in high school seriously you know you get involved doing the the high school plays theater you know maybe yeah. you audition for a few things locally mm-hmm. um, but I absolutely knew that it was what I wanted to uh, to study in college. so you know as I said I went to to study it at Sarah Lawrence I also did a year of conservatory training in England um, oh, nice. and um, so I so I did that and um, I was fortunate enough to get uh, some really great work out of college immediately I, I had a really wonderful year-long contract, um, acting, um, at a theater in Pennsylvania called, uh, called the Fulton. Um, and, um, you know, since then it's continued, I mean, I've done regional work, you know, I've done a number of readings here in the cities. And as, and as I said, um, concerts and, and, and whatnot, um, over the years, um, you know, at the same time, I mean, you have to, uh, you, you have to pay your bills here in yeah. New York, you know? And, um, so I have, uh, you know, a, a, and there. I will be the first to admit I have you know worked I have paid my bills tending bar um, I have worked front desk at places um, yeah. I have worked uh, as a tour guide um, I've done a lot of work uh, medical schools hire actors to work as what they call standardized patients that means that I will facilitate simulations for medical students so that they can practice their communication skills they have had I've been the graphic designer they've had to diagnose with cancer um, I have been the 19 uh, year old addict who suffered a panic attack um, you know it, you name it i have I have done it Um, and I think, um, in many ways, uh, you know, that work filters into acting, it performing the work that I'm currently doing with the podcast. I mean, those experiences are every bit as valuable as any kind of, you know, formal training or education you would get anywhere. Um, and, um, I look on my life. I mean, you were talking about working as a restaurant manager just, just a second ago. Um, someone, someone once said, I I was doing an interview like this recently and, you know, someone, you know, said to me, said, said, where where do you get your confidence? And I kind of said, you know what, actually I think that confidence is overrated because if you start on, start something out, you're not going to be confident. Confident comes as a result of experience. And a lot of those experiences are going to be ugly, but it's like, I look at, you know, if you're you know, tendon bar, you're slammed, you got to manage personalities, you're going to develop that spine pretty damn soon. Yes. And so, you know, so, so that's valuable. And, you know, and if you do get started on a new project, you can't expect it to go easily, or it's just going to be sunshine and roses immediately, you can expect to feel nervous, you can expect to feel vulnerable. But you know, if you just get in there and start working, you know, you're going to find that you will if you set the bar for yourself, you will rise to that challenge if you work yes. at it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. It's so funny you say that. Cause just in, in my gym, I set up when when I set up stations, like I set up these circuits to where it's really hard to finish before the class ends. And for a while there people people are like, you know, Rob, you know, this is really killing my confidence. I'm like, don't let it kill your confidence, let it fuel your effort. You know, if you let it fuel your effort, you'll get through it. Said, if I set it up and then you're done with 10 minutes to spare, now, you know, you didn't give your all. Said, I make it so you have to give it everything. And then, so now when when they finished, they're like, yes, I did it. I was like, see? I was like, see? I was like, I didn't make it easier. I made you better. Well, you made you better. You know, because I never take credit for their for for their successes. You know, so it's like I just set the task. It's up to you to rise to the challenge. So I agree with that point. A hundred percent. Well said. Well said. All right. So so you you graduate college. You know, you said you were doing what you had what you had to do to pay the bills. So what made you decide to start your podcast?
1: It was a very slow evolution. Um, it, it's, it's not like I had a lightning bolt of inspiration where, you know, I had this vision of, oh my goodness, this is what I have to do. I mean, I think that so many people who are, you know, involved in the artistic uh, path always say, oh, you know, I just don't feel inspired or what can I do to find you know, inspiration, I I don't know the answer to that question because that lightning bolt has never once happened to me. You know, yeah. there, there's that very famous story where JK Rowling was on the train to London or wherever. And then suddenly like the vision of Harry Potter came to her, mm. you know, that worked beautifully for her. It's never, yeah. it's, it's never worked for me, but really, um, I'm just one of those people who, over the last 10 years, just absolutely fell in love with podcasts and the medium of audio storytelling. You know, I would be in my apartment, you know, cooking dinner, or whatever, and I'd turn on a podcast. I think that the gateway drug for me, there's a great program called The Moth, which is just people getting up and telling story, personal stories without notes. Yeah. Um, and the stories that people would tell on there were remarkable and, you know, you're like, okay, we'll see, this is cool. What, what are some other programs that I could listen to? And, you know, there, there were just a myriad of great ones. Um, you know, yeah. there's, there's one that I like quite a bit that's, um, you know, put on by, uh, you know, these women called the kitchen sisters who just kind of go around the country collecting oral histories. Um, there's right. a great one about classic Hollywood called, you must remember this. There's one about the history of uh, country music called cocaine and rhinestones. And, um, mm-hmm. around this time. It was, you know, the YouTube algorithm kept suggesting like these uh, travel vlogger videos and I would watch them and I would never really see the way that I like to travel represented in them. Um, Certainly not the case with all of them, but with so many right now, I think it's much less about the place as it is, oh, you know, look at me and how cute I am in this place. And, um, you know, being immersed in the gig economy for a while, I had kind of organized my life so that I can get out of New York, January, February, when it's cold and uh, to escape the winter. And (laughs) I had this idea, I thought to myself, you know, you know, I love Mexico. I grew up traveling all over Mexico. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to put together a a podcast um, that's a musical travelogue of Mexico. I would use music as a portal to exploring the cultural regional histories of Mexico. And um, back in January of 2019, I went down to Mexico. I went so far as to attempt Uh, a pilot episode of this series. And it's one thing to be writing in a vacuum where you were thinking to yourself, man, this is just going to be the best thing ever. This is going to be amazing. And you work on it for months and then you sit down and you listen to what you've created. And you think, oh man, I have missed the mark so terribly. Um, It was a perfect lesson in show. Don't tell, you know, I was talking all about the city of Merida, talked about its history, but you didn't feel it. You didn't feel like you were there. And um, I discovered too, that you know, I am a proficient Spanish speak- speaker, not exactly fluent, I'm, but so it's challenging to establish the level of rapport with people where they start cutting loose and telling the good stories like what we're doing now. But in addition to that, the human voice has such great color shade and nuance to it that if you have an actor come in to dub over someone in English, you're going to lose all of that. And I realized that I needed to learn more about audio production, audio storytelling before taking on something as ambitious as that. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? If there's one thing I know, Texas people love to talk and they tell great stories. So, you know, it's not as exotic as Mexico, but it's warm in Texas, January, February, too. So in January of 2020, I went down to Texas to see what I could do. Um, You know, I really it, it wasn't like I had this broad, incredible vision for a series. At that point, I was really mainly just interested in lear- learning more about audio production, and so I went down there to collect some oral histories. Basically, I walked into a bar with a microphone and started talking to people. I had two ideas for, for stories, but I got into the groove with it pretty quickly. Um, and, it, 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 you know, when you feel in alignment with something, you just kind of know it. Yes. And um, the it, it pretty quickly evolved into vanishing postcards. And the reason I've titled this series vanishing postcards is because when you listen to it, each episode is basically a snapshot of a different place. And w- w- what is that? That's a postcard. And if there is a through line that all of these places have in common, it's that you don't know how much longer they're going to be around. They're mm-hmm. um, all representative of broader cultru- cultural histories and fading traditions, Um, and um, in many ways, it it is very much a 180 from a lot of my work, but as I said, all of that work absolutely prepared me for this moment, and when I look at um, everything that I've done, um, I feel like I can say that this probably is the best work that that I have done.
0: And I can tell, because when you're talking about it, like, you you light right up, so it's like, I can tell that you're very passionate about this.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: Pleasure. All right. So what type of stories do you look to tell as you as you travel to each area? Like, do you try to highlight a certain thing? Or is it just whatever stands out to you? That's what, what you go for?
1: Well, each episode really kind of informs the the other. Um, you know, Texas – and, and something that I would like to say, too, is that um, when I look at the analytics for the show, most of the people listening to this series actually are from outside of Texas uh, because I feel that these issues um, that are explored in the show are absolutely universal. Change happens everywhere. Yeah. Um, we live in a real fast paced world. Things are changing incredibly quickly, especially, um, now. especially now emerging from the pandemic. There are a lot of places that, that didn't survive or make it. So, um, you know, the issues explored in Texas, the same thing is happening in New York city, California, London, Morocco, Mexico, wherever you go. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't think that change is something to be feared. I think that change is something to be embraced, but we need to, to grow And, and change responsibly. And in this, in the case of my hometown of Austin. Um, you know, it's, everybody is moving there. It's, it's growing at warp speed. We have to ask why are people moving there? What it is about this place that, that people like Um, if I was still living there, I'd be complaining nonstop about how much it's changed. You know, the traffic's bad. The cost of living is bad. This, that, and the other. Um, Living away from it gives me perspective and I can still appreciate what is there. And um, you know, it doesn't matter where you are anytime, like an old, you know business that has generations of history attached to it closes you will have all of these people come out of the woodwork going oh my gosh this is the worst yep. thing ever but my question always is well when was the last time you actually went there you know small businesses have to make money and are you aware of how much work is involved with that and so the stories that i'm after i mean i'm i'm really looking for people who are these custodians and stewards who are out there who are you know it, whether it's a bar, a dance hall, a, a barbecue restaurant, a country mm-hmm. store. Um, you know people who are you know keeping these places going in the face of a rapidly changing, homogenizing world, um, and it's about learning about uh, their histories, um, the the struggles that they face, and you know just the the incredible stories that have happened um, within these places what they represent what what's good about these these places um, and as I said you know each episode really informs the other you know I, I did an episode on a dive bar um, then I did a place on a, on a dance hall I thought okay well what's the difference between a dance hall and a honky tonk and okay you know maybe you know I, I really need to uh, I, I traveled about 1500 miles worth of Texas and I'm like okay you know what region happened I showcased okay you know I need to go down to the border you know people here about the border so much in the news nowadays. But what is always missed is the beautiful, incredible culture um, and the people who actually live down there. You know, let's let's go down there and celebrate and, and take a look at this. And, you know, maybe we need something funny right now. Um, you know, maybe we need something serious. Um, and, and that's really kind of how the series evolved. Um, and um, this first season, um, I have uh, 15 episodes in the can. And, um, you know, and, and, and I just look forward to, uh, to continuing to grow. And, um, you know, the, the goal is absolutely to have future seasons and expand the map beyond Texas.
0: I love that concept because I think of Rhode Island, you know, or, or, or just anywhere anyone lives. Like some, a lot of the natural history, the natural beauty, you kind of take it for granted because you live here, you know. And so there, there was once with my now ex I had said to her, you know, was that we've been to Orlando, like we had just named all the places that we've been. I was like, let's take let's take an overnight trip to Providence. (laughs) And she's like, We live in Providence at the time. I said, exactly. I said, and I know nothing about the city I live in. Nothing. So, you know, we wanted to just like go on the tours, like the guided tours, and just learn about the historical buildings and and I learned so much about the place where I live.
1: <laughs> you that's know? amazing. And Providence, you know, I've, I've never spent any time in Providence, but I know you have the Portuguese there. Um, I know there's, you know, incredible history uh, attached to the place. And, yes. and I think that's something really important that you bring up is, I mean, so often, you know, we were talking about the museums earlier. I mean, so yeah. often when we talk about culture, I mean, we think about palaces of civilization like the Met and the Louvre and the British Museum and whatnot. Yes. But, Culture is not, culture is everywhere. Beyond that, oftentimes some of the best, most beautiful, incredible culture can be found in places that are completely overlooked, that you're not going to see on Instagram, that you're not going to read about in glossy magazines. And that is really so much of what this series is about, um, is showcasing just that. And in addition to which, something that I think is incredibly important um, is, is we live in a horribly, you know, polarized, divided age. And the the divisions that we're wrestling with in this country in terms of politics and race are completely unsustainable. I don't believe that anything that we have gone through over the last, you know, six, well, decades upon decades should be normalized. Not Mm. at all. But I do believe that culture right now is one of the few areas of agreement. You know, culture can allow for shared experiences. And I think it is so important to shine a light on things that have the power to unite and bring us together. And I think that culture absolutely has the power to do that.
0: I know. I think back to like the pre-internet days, like back when everybody's opinion and everybody's drama wasn't right at your fingertips, that things things were just so much better than it's like it like there always going to be some type of tension yeah because there's jerks in every culture every walk of life you know so things are never going to completely go away but I think things are a lot better than what is let on like I traveled throughout the um, pandemic I've been to Florida a few times I went to North Carolina Tennessee New York Pennsylvania you know Vermont New Hampshire and like in everywhere I go like people are just friendly and happy but then you turn on the TV and it's like, this is happening, that's happening. You know, so so I think people are getting a warped sense of what is actually happening, you know, as the politicians are fight fighting each other and pitting us against each other so they can stay in power. But I think when you look beyond the nonsense, like I've I've never gone anywhere and felt like, oh my god, the white supremacists are coming to get me. You know what I mean? It's like everywhere I go, I've met with with smiles and hi, how are you? You know what I mean. Treated with the utmost respect anywhere I go, pretty much, pretty much. So you know, so I like I like what you're doing and highlighting the good, highlighting the positive, and showing you know and sh- and sharing that cultural differences don't have to be a bad thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, not at all. So I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. No, there, there, there is power in, in diversity. Absolutely. You know, that's the, the United States. I, uh, you know, I, I love uh, Fran friend Who's, you know, a total hard nosed. you know, she's, she's as New York as it comes, but yeah. um, I saw an interview with her once. And, um, you know, she said you cannot ruin American culture because the United States isn't a culture. It's an idea. And um, I think that's that, that, you know, American culture is always e- evolving and um, I think that that is precisely what is kind of good and beautiful about uh, American culture.
0: Well, what, what, I think, what I think gets lost is that American culture means that you can be whoever it is you want to be. It, it, you know, like if you go – like with our people now, like our country is so free – that you can just turn your back on the flag at a nationally televised sporting event. If you were in Saudi Arabia and you did that, you would get locked up. Okay. <laughs> you know, so so people don't understand the freedoms that we have here to be what you want. Like, if you want to practice Muslim, go ahead. If you want to be gay, go ahead. If you want to be a man and become a woman, go ahead. You know, you want to interracially date, go ahead. Like, we can do it all here. But yet, there's just that group of people that want to find the negatives. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I'm just glad that, you know, I'm one as well, where I always talk about the positives. Like, Like I said in my intro, yeah, racism's out there. It doesn't have to stop anything. You know, I'm almost 47 years old. There there isn't a white supremacist that stopped me from doing anything Mm -hmm. in my life. So that's my message when I'm talking to groups and especially to teenagers. You know, it's it's like, yeah, you're going to encounter some mountains, you know, tighten up your boots and go climb it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. Amen. So what was your first episode?
1: So my first episode I did, um, you know, it was uh, January of 2020. Um, there is this old bar in Austin called the Dry Creek Cafe. It was open in 1952. And it, it, when it at the time that it opened, it was in the country. It was like, you know, past the edge of town. Um, and now, of course, you know, Austin has grown. Um, and it is now actually surrounded by mansions. Um, But this place originally catered to cedar choppers. You know, we're talking like a real hardcore Appalachian hillbilly subculture that lived in Central Texas. You know, they were chopping down cedars in the hills. It was a rough crowd. Um, And what was remarkable about this place, too, was that the 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 uh, I I walked in there unannounced. They had no idea I was coming because it was before the pandemic hit. You could just show up. Unannounced and that 's what yeah. I did, and I started talking to the bartender there. Her name was angel, you know real tough you know whiskey stained chain smoking old <laughs> woman um, and the place opened in one thousand nine hundred and fifty two She was only the third bartender to ever work there Wow, and so you know i I talked to her, um, I talked to historians about the cedar choppers. I talked to a man who wrote a a song about the the bar. Um, and and I pieced it all together into this uh, piece on the uh, the Dry Creek Cafe, which is this this old bar in Austin. But it really, um, you know, I, I think that that bar encapsulated so many layers of of history um, in terms of Austin and Central Texas. Um, a great compliment that I've had from people is that you know, listening to it. You know, they felt as if they got to take on a journey through through time and, and, and listening to, to this. Um, and, you know, the way that I produce my episodes, it's it's meant to be an immersive experience for the listener. Um, I might talk to someone for like an hour out of that conversation. Maybe I'll use, you know, three minutes. It's kind of about mining the the nuggets and then piecing it yeah. all together um, as a cohesive whole. And um, something that I'm very grateful for is um you know within about 3 or 4 months of of talking and recording angel um very sadly she she died um and so this piece has proven to be a really wonderful record for the regulars those those who know and love this bar um and i'm i'm very grateful to have her memory preserved um for that reason
0: that's awesome that's absolutely awesome when so i had a 5000 square foot facility like my first standalone gym. And so fast forward three years, we we had to move. The, the landlord didn't want to renew the lease. And that was like home because before I was just renting space from other places. And so as we're tearing everything down, I had posted in our private Facebook group, I was like, you know, list your favorite memory from the past three years. And the responses that I got completely blew me away you know like like i was saying earlier about the state you live in you kind of take it for granted like the impact at the time i had myself and i had seven other trainers and just the the comments people were saying you know it like brought tears to my eyes i was like oh my lord it's like like you don't really understand the impact that you have on people's lives You know, and so just like listening, listening to that story is like you, you probably got some serious nuggets from that bartender that was there for so long.
1: (laughs) Well, it was funny because um, getting her to talk took every ounce of charm I could possibly muster. I mean, she was totally (laughs) skeptical and reticent. Once Mm. she found out I was okay to let her cuss and swear, she (laughs) let the (laughs) F-bombs fly, opened right up and we had a great, great time. (laughs)
0: You know? <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So what was your favorite episode so far?
1: You know, it's it's, it's really hard to say because, yeah. I mean, I think that all of the, you know, all of them are so special. I mean, I met so many remarkable people for so many reasons. Um, one that was particularly meaningful for me. Um, as I referenced earlier, I knew that I wanted to do a piece on border culture. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the great Texas art forms uh, is conjunto music. Basically, what that was is, you know, back in the early 20th century, you know, the Mexican laborers heard the, the polkas um, and the accordions that were brought to Texas by the Germans and the Czechs. And what they did is they took that music and they, you know, took their Spanish lyrics and their language and they created like this whole new genre of, of, of music that really kind of transcends borders. And um, I, I knew I wanted to do a piece on this. And I had read that there was this um, museum that had been built um, in this small town called San Benito, which is about 18 miles north of the border, deep south Texas, um, the Texas Conjunto Music Hall of Fame. And so, you know, I did some digging around and I sent a, a Facebook message to uh you know, whom I thought was Ray Avila, who was the, you know, owner, the, the man who built the museum. It was his vision. Okay. Um, and a few days later, I received a phone call um, from his son and he said, well, listen, my dad died seven months ago. Uh-huh. But if you're interested in doing a, a piece, you know, we would certainly be happy to to have you. Um, so I talked to him and we arranged a time for me to come and visit. Um, and, you know, to my great surprise and honor, I arrive at this museum in this small town in South Texas that's, you know, people would never consider this place a tourist destination at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I walk in there and, you know, he has arranged for this, uh, you know, record producer to, to be there to talk to me okay. um, and his entire family is there as well because they want for me to know about not just about the music, but they want me to know about their dad no,
0: him, and dad.
1: you know what this place was. And um, since it's been released, uh, you know, she, the, the, you know, his daughter shared on Facebook, she said, you know, I still remember getting the, the inbox message, you know, from Evan Stern saying that he wanted to talk to my dad and I tried to respond and I just couldn't do it, but I had my, my brother do it. And, when we met at that music, and when we all met together, it was Father's Day weekend. And she said, I could feel the presence of my dad in the room. And it was a magical day. And she said, I just know that, you know, with this episode, with people learning about my dad, learning about this music, that he's smiling in heaven, and that he's yes. smiling down on all of this. And I can feel his presence when I listen to this.
0: I, I love that. I love it. everything about that. Yeah. I lost I lost my dad in- tail end of tw- 2019, right before COVID hit and everything went to hell, mm-hmm. so he he actually passed at, at a good time, so like mm-hmm. we I mean I can't speak for the rest of the family, but like I feel feel good about it like because he had he had a good ending yeah. you know versus what people w- w- were going through all of last year
1: mm-hmm.
0: but but I keep t- telling people you know that's how you keep the memories alive, you know it's like he's he's just not here in body. You know, so like every time we gather at my parents' house, we always take turns just saying isms. Oh, dad would have said this. Oh, I can hear grandpa's voice right now. Or, you know, it's like, it's, and it just, it just makes you feel good that you really do feel that presence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you sit there and you think of a memory and then you can hear that person's voice. So for that family, going through that with you was definitely most likely therapeutic for them as well. mm mm-hmm. You know, so, so when you do stuff that's just bigger than yourself, mm-hmm. that's, that's when it's amazing. Cause I love helping people have those breakthroughs. Cause like, it's not about me. You know, it's like when they have that moment to where their face lights up and it's like, that's why I do what I do
1: right. And it's true. And it's as I said, I mean, in all of these places, I mean, I want the emphasis on the places and the people, you know, yes, I narrate. Yes, I write. Yes, I put it all together. But if I find myself expressing too much in the way of opinion or in the way of judgment, I know I'm, I'm on the wrong track. You know, yeah. I know immediately that I'm making a mistake because it's not about me, it's about the place people in the places I'm talking about.
0: Yes. Yeah, like I I watched some some podcasts where, you know, you know, and I'm not knocking how anybody runs their podcast, it's their podcast. So but but I'm but but I'm also allowed to have my opinion about their podcast. <laughs> so, right. But but it's just like they would like always go out of their way to make to make sure they look good, you know, and it's like I want the emphasis to be on the guest, you know? So like if I say something and if you say something that sounds better than what I said, I agree with you. It's like, oh, you know what? I never thought of that. Whereas there's some other shows where it's like a like a one-up kind of thing. Like this is my show. I will be the star, you know? And it's like, you know, swallow your pride and I want to make it about you, mm. you know? Like I want you to want to promote this when we're done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right, so so if i come off like a jerk you're gonna be like screw him (laughs) you know so so like that's why i stopped using the using the talking points and stuff because you know i like things to develop organically Mm -hmm. you know Mm because because you might say something that i want to expand on yeah you know and Mm -hmm. then from there you might say something else that i want to expand on next Mm -hmm. thing you know we're far off of the talking points (laughs) Mm -hmm. but but once i started doing that i noticed i was getting more views i was getting more engagement you know because it was more interesting just because like people don't don't immediately resonate with the current success you know especially if they're in a place where they aren't happy Mm -hmm. you know so like they want to hear some of the backstory, like how did how did this person get there and then they had the breakthrough and then they put in this work and then they failed and they kept going then they failed again and they kept going And here they are, and now they're teaching other people how to do it. So, like Mm. you give you give them that whole journey, kind of how what you're doing with these businesses. Like you want you want to give them the whole journey, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's what built what that's what brings the audience in.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, and and you know, people often ask me, you know, what how how I get stories out of people. You know, someone said, you know, how it's like listening to your podcast. You know, you get these incredible stories. How do you create this magic? And I always say, you can't but what you can do is you can listen um you can show empathy you can have respect and you know if if there are any stories that that evolve you know if anyone you know opens up and shares um it's it's strictly as a result of of trust that i have established yes. and you know respect and listening that's that's what it's about right there
0: yes 3 shows ago i had a gentleman on who's also in the entertainment industry and We ended up going to a place where he was telling me about he's a single dad. The mom isn't in the picture and Mm -hmm. trying to explain to the kid why mom isn't around. It's like like we got several layers deep. But then even once we went off air, he was like, you know what? He's like, that was amazing. He's like, I've never spoken about that. Never. Because come to find out, I'm in that same boat. Like I'm also Mm -hmm. a single parent. My two oldest kids, their mom really wasn't in their life. So it's like, but by him going there, I was like, you now found an ally because he said he felt like he had no one to talk to. Because usually it's the other way around; usually it's the dad who's gone. And so I was like, no, I said I've de- I've dealt with that with my oldest daughter just yesterday. She unloaded for like two and a half hours on just that whole experience, you know. So so I told him I said, see, but by, by you going there, I was able to let you know I'm there too, and now you have an ally. So mm. if, so, if you ever get to that dark place where you need someone to talk to, it's like reach out to me. You no, know, mm. like that's why it says above us: your true power lies in your story. People only want to talk about the rainbows and the chocolate, but when you talk about the other stuff, that's where you make the connection.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. I'll drink to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, so. So, what do you see as, as your next step? So, I mean, you only have 15 episodes in. Like, mm-hmm. do, do you have do you have have a goal? You
1: know? So, yeah. So, I mean, so this episode, so this season, uh, we're about halfway through the season as far as what's released up to this point. Yeah. Um, this season has uh, has 15 episodes, um, but I want to be able to expand the map. Uh, beyond Texas, um, you know, I would love uh, for season two. My goal is come September, October. Um, I want to be hitting the road, driving from Oklahoma. I, I want to drive Route sixty six from Oklahoma okay. to California, yeah. and uh, collect stories, oral histories along the way. is is what I see for season two. Right. Uh, my main focus at this juncture is absolutely on growth um and uh monetization all the stuff that that comes with that um initially this show um you know i i initially did have a network um behind me on this show as is often the case uh in the business um those deals fall fall apart which is you know which is perfectly fine but um you keep going and and what what i'm doing now is i have released independently and ultimately i feel like i am learning so much about growth so much about podcasting, so much about the business end, that it will ultimately equip me um, even further. Um, but it's a really, I, I, I can say with confidence that this is a really special product that I believe in. Um, I feel in alignment with it, and I am going to find a way to continue moving forward with it somehow. And so that's thats what the plan is right there.
0: See, and it's like, I, I also believe too that, you know, people, people are just meant to meet cuz it's kind of funny I'm working with this 24 year old he's on uh he well he's at college in Florida now he he's from Colorado like I, I helped his mom create create a podcast she's a clinical psychologist and she she was just really it's almost like she's one of those people that's like too smart for her own good so so I, I had to help her, you know, come down a couple notches, you know, to where to where us lay people are. I was like, you have to speak our language like, because we're mm-hmm. going to be the ones listening to your podcast. I said, so if you talk in all that doctor jargon, only other doctors are going to know what you're talking about. Right. So anyway, so she referred me, well, referred her son to me because he's kind of introverted, but he's a he's a creative writer. And he's, he, like, I'm helping him create something similar to what you're doing, hmm. you know? So so this whole time listening to you, I'm, like, jotting things down that I can let Brendan know. Sweet. Because he, he, he wants to find, like, just, like, weird jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and he wants to, like, get within the job for a week or two mm-hmm. and then write about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, so like I said, very similar to what you're doing. Just you're, you're just more audio, audio storytelling. Where he wants to be to do uh, written storytelling. Mm-hmm. So,
1: well, I think it's, I think Brendan has a terrific idea, and I encourage yeah. him to to find a way to 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 go out there and and do it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah yeah I agree like the things that he wants to do like he wants to go go to like a wax museum mm-hmm. and and get the behind the scenes on how how they make them how they preserve them, how they dress like he just wants all those fine details and he he wants to write it I told him I said that's a brilliant idea It's
1: brilliant and what he will find too is that um you know people are i, I people often ask me if I encountered resistance to, you know, me approaching people. I, I found that people were so eager to share their stories. They were so grateful that someone was taking an interest in yes. their story, what they were doing. Um, he will be amazed at how approachable people are. Um, yes. And I, I, I was also, you know, I, I can assure you too that in in all of these stories, all of the meetings I had, I, I was always way more nervous and apprehensive than any of the people I was speaking with. Yes. You know? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. See, I help people with the fear of public speaking, and here in my trusty notebook, I wrote down some of the top fears that people have about speaking. And one of them, because you just said it, one of them was my story won't interest others, and my story doesn't matter, and my story's not relevant. <laughs> you know, so so in doing what you're doing, that person's like, holy crap, this guy wants to talk to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if people want to share, you know, they hold back because they think people don't care. So, like, mm-hmm. you're actually unlocking something within them that makes them want to share. That's what I was trying to explain to Brendan, you know, because he, he he's an introvert. So, you know, he's like, you know, well, what if they don't want to? What if they this? What if they that? I'm like, you guys, like, people can't wait to talk about themselves. <laughs> you know, they just they're just afraid that no one wants to hear. You know, so if you go up showing that you want to hear. People, people would love to open up to you
1: totally and, and and I can tell him that people are listening to this show they uh-huh. they absolutely are and and it's continuing to grow um, and and I'm not talking to celebrities yeah. you know it, 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 the people I'm talking to are you know it's it, and it, yes absolutely he's got a role with this i, I I'm on board he's he, I'd read his I'd read his work absolutely. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Yeah. See, I'm gonna make sure I clip this part out and send it to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be like, dudes. So I like see. Like, this is someone else who's in this space that's telling you to go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because he's he's apprehensive. Like he's he's putting steps into it, but he's still a, a little apprehensive. But but I think once he gets his first yes, it'll it'll skyrocket his his confidence because totally. we all we all de- deal with it. You know, being like we touched on it earlier. Like anytime you take a stance on anything, there's going to be backlash. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. I can say, I love Joe Biden. There's going to be a whole slew of people that shred me. I can say, I love Donald Trump. There's going to be a slew of people who shred me. It, it's just the nature of the beast, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is. And so I, so when I started my other show, I was apprehensive of now I have no problems with public speaking. I have thick skin. I just have no tolerance for nonsense. And so, but I feel like there are tough topics out there that ends up getting diluted because people start infighting. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, you're not talking about the topic anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, like, I want to start a show about these tough topics where we can have rational discussions. But but then I was apprehensive. I was like, because then I'm going to end up getting Twitter dragged and canceled mm-hmm. if I say something that the mob doesn't like. Mm-hmm. But But then I was like, you know what? It's like, no matter what it is, there's gonna be somebody that talks, talks trash about it. Like I had said once, and on, we're getting off topic really quick, but I said something once. It was on, on a thread about systemic racism, mm-hmm. right? This, this was my exact quote. I said, All anyone needs is a goal, an action plan, and a passion to reach the goal, and they can have success in this country. That was all I said. And people were raking me through the coals over that. <laughs> and I was like, just tell me what is wrong in that sentence. Like that was my only rhetoric. Like I don't I don't get into the, the childish back, back and forth. Like if you point out what was wrong in that sentence, I will hear your argument. Mm. And I was like, oh well you're this and you're a sellout and you're that like I am a sellout because I'm encouraging people to, to, to reach for their goals. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> so anyways, back to you. Mm-hmm. All right so here at your website so this this will take you directly to
1: the to the podcast. So yeah so I mean basically that uh this website it, it shows you all the places where you can subscribe. I mean you're listening to a podcast right now so I'm quite confident that wherever you're listening to you can find Vanishing Postcards and I, I would be most honored if you would consider giving it a listen and a, and a subscribe. Um vanishingpostcards.com you know you'll find out a little bit more about me um, you know you can find an episode guide um, you know links to Instagram um, if you want to see companion photos of all of the places that we visit and some kind of more behind the scenes um, in- information but you know again it 's vanishing postcards it 's available wherever you get your podcasts um, Digital trends has already named it one of the best podcasts of 2021 um, getting some good press it 's off to a good start um, and um, you know i 'd be honored if you might just consider adding it to your playlist
0: love it. All right, yeah, and um, I'll make sure, sure I give give you uh, social media shout outs as well.
1: Sweet, sweet. I'll re- I'll return the favor for you, my friend.
0: Awesome, appreciate it. All right, so give us give us a final word, and then we'll break it down.
1: So, I mean, people have it, 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 people have often kind of asked me like, what my philosophy on life, whatever is. Um, I I was not the one who say this. I hear it said a lot. Some might even say it's a cliche. But I really do believe there is great truth to the statement that luck is the result of preparation meeting opportunity. So, um, you know, work, work hard if, if, if there is something that you want to do. I mean, if, if, if you're an actor, you know, find out what parts you're right for. Work on those parts on your own um, you know, create work for yourself and then, um, just, just do your part to facilitate as many relationships as you can, because that is what will create opportunity. And at the end, if you are um, if you're prepared and you have the opportunity and, and, you know, opportunity happens, you're going to, people are going to say, man, where did you get this? Where did you get this luck from? But there's no magic or secret sauce to it. I mean, that, that's what I advise. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be ugly in the beginning. Um, you know, you, no one is ever truly prepared. You know, you, you can take as, as many classes as you want. Um, you're not going to be able to, you know, magically read a book, attend a weekend workshop, or listen to a podcast and just magically have confidence. That's not going to happen. But if you get to work, um, you're going to be surprised at how much power you actually have and uh, yes. different, very, very, very different, um, you know, which is, but intertwined as well as if, if someone ever gives you a job, do that job. Well,
0: yes. You know? <laughs> so simple. It's, just, it's just so simple. <laughs> So simple. Growing, growing up, I'll end on I'll end on this. Like when I was working in the restaurants as a cook. So before I even got into management, like I was constantly, constantly busy. And that was more so from the upbringing of my parents. Like they were like we could never utter the words "I'm bored." So we ever said "I'm bored," we were raking leaves like all weekend. So. I'm in the restaurant, and in the downtimes, and this was before the age of cell phones, so people would just be out talking, and I'm I'm in there working, setting up, you know, getting things getting things ready, and people were always trying to bring down my work ethic. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like Rob, you know, come come come, chill with us. I'm like, no, like I'm not. I got stuff to do. You know, I got stuff to do, and so you said it, it's like when luck meets preparation, that's when that's when the magic happens. And I always tell people nothing, nothing great ever happened from confidence. It happened from overcoming fear, mm-hmm. you know? So you said Absolutely. that earlier and mm-hmm. and that's, that's spot on.
1: Well, it's true. What, what act of courage didn't have, you know, great vulnerability, you know, and, and fear mixed in with it. What, what act actually, of courage? None, none.
0: Yep. Yep. So true. So true. Awesome. 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 Um, so we're going to be signing off in a second. Don't log off yet though. Okay. All right. So thank you very much. And hopefully we'll, we'll ha- have you on again. You know, we'll check, check in with you. See what, uh, you know, like once you start your route 66 trail, you know, just reach out, we'll ha- have you back on and see what, uh see what else you got going on. Ha- Sounds ha- good to me. Have you considered starting in New York city?
1: Look, I mean, this, <laughs> this, this show could absolutely be done and applied to, to New York city. 100%. Um, as I said, the, the issues that that this deals with are universal. There are all kinds of places mm-hmm. in New York City that are changing, that we're, that we're in danger of losing as a city. Yeah. The challenge with – and New Yorkers tell terrific stories. New, New Yorkers are some of the best talkers you will ever meet. Um, the nice. challenge with New York is that – Um, It is so much work to, to schedule Um, people's personal time in New York is such, I I cannot stress what a valuable resource time is. Um, Mm. I'm incredibly respectful of people's personal boundaries and whatnot. Um, And it's just much harder to, um, you know, get people to agree to give up their time here in New York, which is something that I respect a great deal. Um, So, you know, New York could certainly be done. Um, but there are some challenges. At the same time, um, New York is so heavily covered in the media landscape. I mean, how many TV shows, movies, whatnot, all take place in New York? Um, And so, you know, New York
0: State. I feel like New York State gets forgotten.
1: Oh, it does absolutely. (laughs) You know, (laughs) know? so no, yeah. There's, there's, uh, the, 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 the options are are endless. No, no places, no places off the table. So never say never.
0: That's a good prob- problem to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. All right, sir. Thank you b- very much. Yeah, have yourself a great day.
1: My great pleasure, Robert. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Take care. Again, don't lock off, though. All right. So that was Evan. And so I'm going to end off with a quote from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss it. All right. Have yourselves a great day.
1: You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.